Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 83 of The Other Six Podcast. My name is Chad Boak, and I am your host. Joining me once again in the studio, my co-host, our worship pastor, the guy who bought a pirate hook in a secondhand store, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. <laughs> Matt Collins. Matt, how are you today, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good to see you. Hand. That's right. Also joining us in the studio today, our lead pastor, Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you today, sir? That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you would, uh, you yes, would buy him a, a secondhand store. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very pragmatic pun. I mean, you have to buy a pirate <laughs> hook in a secondhand store because it's your second That's hand. That's right. Exactly. Well, what if you were born without a hand? See, now you're... Then we don't need to But you still I mean, have listen, to buy it. We're going to get in trouble. Right. <laughs> Question. What's your favorite pirate-themed movie? Let's uh, let's, let's go with that. The, <laughs> the pirates who don't know who don't anything. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, I think it. you might have won God, the first he answer. Just, he trumped it there. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Hook. With Robin yes. Williams, okay. Dustin Peter Hoffman, Pan, yeah. Julie Roberts, they yeah. the whole game. The first one's pretty good. The first one's great. I feel like they kind of went off the rails after well, that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're going to keep getting that check. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's true. The Go first one was great, though. Yeah. But yeah, I like Hook back in the day. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Hook. Also, there was a... It's called Treasure Planet. It's kind of like a retelling of Treasure Island, but kind of in a mm. sci-fi kind of vibe. I haven't seen that. It's a Disney movie. It's a uh, it's fantastic. Okay. One of the best best movies that's out there. So yeah, Veggie Tales is fantastic. Yeah, I think I think yeah. I think you won with Veggie Tales. Mm. Yeah, anyway. is it a, is it a movie though? No, it's that's a, more of a episode, right? It's a, yeah, it's, like it's a, a longer segment. episode. I have not seen Veggie Tales in a long time. Y'all ever hear They're that? Still going. You ever hear the uh, the remake that dude that did like that dubstep remake of the VeggieTales song? Yes. Oh, it's I fantastic. Yeah. I've not heard that either. <laughs> you need to. I feel kind of left out. Your it's life, it's man. pretty good. Yeah, you can go look that up on YouTube after you listen to the other six podcasts. So anyway, gentlemen, <laughs> how was your weekend, Shameless Adam? Plug there. That's right. Good weekend. Yeah. Relaxing weekend. We had the Georgia G Day spring football game. Okay. So, uh, I was we unaware. almost went, but that's a long drive from here to Athens, and so we did not. Thankfully, it was uh, broadcast on ESPN two, okay. so we got to watch the entire game of uh-huh. my beloved dogs. And it just kind of put me in the mood for some college football, man. I got a little <laughs> it's fired so up. So long away, though. I know. So that's why these why spring games are yourself? awesome. So, you know, Auburn, unfortunately, did theirs a week ago. We had the terrible weather. Yeah, so that yeah, yeah. Alabama's is this upcoming Saturday. And so I love spring football. And you get these guys out there that are kind of getting their first shot at competing right, and right. maybe winning. And so the big question for Georgia fans, and I'm going somewhere with this, so don't tune me out. Okay. okay? Everybody's like, why are we talking about Georgia football? They, they, they thought they were safe in the spring. I know. No football I know. Talk, I'm right? going somewhere yeah. with this. Okay. So we don't have a quarterback because Stetson Bennett, our beloved Stetson Bennett, yep. you know, at 28, 29 years old, has moved on <laughs> with his life with two rings and we will love him forever. And so when you have three quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. So we have right. three quarterbacks right. and they were all competing for the starting job. They're all five star recruits. They're all amazing quarterbacks, oh, but you can only play nice. one, right? Yeah. So um, there's one kid named Brock Vandergriff. Okay. Brock Vandergriff is a, not only a great football player, he's a great human being. Hmm. I know his dad. Okay. So I've known his dad for over, not over, about 20 years. I've known his dad uh, before Brock was born. And his dad is a believer. His dad coaches at Prince Avenue Christian, which is right outside Athens. Okay. And so I knew him from years ago when I worked at North Star. So that's, you know, all the stories, whatever. Sure. So Brock, when he graduated, he was the number one high school recruit in America. And his final three choices were Oklahoma, Georgia, and Auburn. Well, he decided to stay close to home and, and go to Georgia. <laughs> sure. yeah. Well, a rumor started about three months ago that if he didn't win the starting job, Hugh Freeze has already kind of started working that angle uh. to get him to transfer over to Auburn. Sure. I'm calling it right now. 
Brock Vandergriff will be Auburn's starting quarterback in the fall. Oh, let's go. So if you're an Auburn fan, you need to get excited. And here's why. Look at you. Of the three quarterbacks, and and just hear me out, Auburn fans, he played the worst of the three, but it was because of the situations he was put in. I watched the entire game, and I'm pulling for Brock to get the starting job. Yeah. I want him to get the starting job. But it was clear at the end of the game, if you rank them one, two, three, Brock is going to be ranked third. Right. Well, what do you do if you're in his situation? You come to Auburn. You're right. starting from day one. Right. Hugh Freeze is your coach. High-powered offense. Right. He's a believer. Your dad, who's a coach, is also a believer. You know they've been working back-channel connections. So <laughs> I have been monitoring this daily for <laughs> Auburn fans. I literally thought I might come in here today, like, breaking some news for you. But it hasn't happened yet. I don't. I, 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 I have no inside info so from Brock's it. father. But I'm telling you, I, I would not be surprised if I if he transferred it over to Auburn. I think it'd be the great. I think it'd be the right move for him. Okay. And I think it would be a great move for, yeah, Auburn, for Auburn as well. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to bring up the spring game. I enjoyed sure. watching it, but I know we got a lot of Auburn fans listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought that might be something My you people. might start tracking with that. Brock Vandergriff, keep an eye on it. He might be transferring to Auburn. We, we will check Adam's this, prophetic this is status what he did to see. All weekend. Yeah, that's, that's right. Exactly <laughs> what I did all weekend. Fantastic weekend, Brad. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> It was great. That's awesome. I loved it. That's See, I awesome. told you I was going somewhere with this. Had, yeah. <coughs> Sorry, man. I took way too long I, with that. I did not do any of that. <laughs> no? You didn't, uh, you didn't monitor any football players? No, okay. I, I didn't do that. Um, I went after the Boyers, though. Oh, our Shout friends. Shout out to James and Boyers. James and Joanna, yeah. 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 Love the Boyers. Uh, and I played Guitar Hero with a actual working guitar. You know how okay. rare those are? Back up. You Time can out. play a video game Guitar Hero with an actual guitar? No, 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 no. Like an actual working, like the Guitar oh, Hero guitar is working. because okay, okay, because they get broken very easily. Yes. Oh, uh, like, I got you. That game's like... I heard that the way Chad heard that. I'm yeah. thinking six <laughs> yeah. strings, what's I, going I, on? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think there about, is... Because like, I was like, I think that's just called playing guitar. Like, think, I'm not sure, but... <laughs> so did you beat everybody? Does that translate, uh, being a real guitar player, to the actual game? I will game? say... Uh, that's a no. Yes, uh, I did. <laughs> I played most of them on okay. Expert. We'll okay. just say that. And Ooh. others were not playing on Expert. Is that what you're saying? James played on Expert. Did he? Okay. Yeah. All right. Who knew? That James... But, you know, who knew? <laughs> Little known fact. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, there might be a rematch here or there. Okay. Okay. Know? Well, that's But uh, I think there is a, a game that you can play with an actual guitar like that. Not playing, yeah. you know. Can we hook that up to our center screen yes. so that we could watch James and Matt play I in our big room James, on the absolutely. center screen? James, yeah. I think that that needs that to happen. That would be amazing. I mean, and, and we can just open it up for anyone who wants to come and play. <laughs> that's, that's not a problem. <laughs> Alright, I'm in. It's, it, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a praise team uh, recruitment I'm just uh, going to eat popcorn you, and you watch. Jump, I can't play video games. Y'all remember when watch. David Crowder did the Guitar Hero guitar? Yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. used to do that. It was oh, awesome. That's cool. we got to put that on the calendar. Yeah. I used to play drums on, when they had like the rock, rock band. band, yeah, I yeah. played the drums on yeah. that one. That I was a lot of fun. Was but terrible. At I that, was busy but. studying the Bible, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> or, ana- uh, or, or sports or, analogies yeah. over here, or looking right. deep into and, the quarterback battles, <laughs> yeah, in SEC yeah. competition. Yeah. Oh uh, man, that's funny. No, we had a good weekend as well. As I as I mentioned, I believe last week on the podcast, we had an issue with a, a main fuse in our house, so we were, we were operating. The entire boke house on half power last. Hmm. So uh, we literally, <laughs> I ran. I had power cords running all over the house. We, you know, refrigerators plugged up. But I'm happy to report it is fixed, and we now have all of our power back. But did it, you fix it? No, 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 no. Electrician, we, no, man. You, electrical stuff? No, you hire oh, an yeah. expert. No, I, know. I, I, I do not want to get yeah. shocked or worse. No, that. That, that, would, right. that would not yeah. be just a shock. No, that would Mm-mm. be bad. No, so it was. Uh, I was very grateful uh, for the gentleman who came out and fixed it, which was, you know, so we're we're back up to. 
to full power. But I tell you, it was actually not a bad week to not have like air conditioning. The weather conditioning. was nice. It was yeah. gorgeous. It was, nice. yeah. it was, it was Good great. time of year. Good thing it wasn't July. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would I would have been a little uh, little more like, hey, can we hurry yeah. this thing along? Yeah. But it was uh How long is this nice. going to take? Exactly. So, no, it was a good week. And it was a good Sunday this past Sunday at Vaughn Forest. Uh, lots of lots of folks here. I had a really good time. Worship was incredible, Matt. I, I really enjoyed Thank you. Uh, the worship set, the message. You know, we launched a brand new uh, series. And, and we'll get to that here in just a moment. But, you know, before we get to that, I do want to pause for just a moment. Anytime that there are significant events that affect our community, you know, we are a part of the Pike Road community, a part <laughs> of the East Montgomery community. And there were some things that happened this past weekend that affected that community. And so I kind of yeah. just want to pause for a minute and talk about the impact of that and how or, or what our response can be. Yeah. So, you know, if you live here in the River Region, you probably, you know, know what happened on Saturday night up in Dadeville. And, you know, I read about it Sunday morning before mm-hmm. I came to church and obviously was, you know, heartbroken to, to see mm-hmm. that. I didn't realize until after the end of our second service, when I talked to some individuals in the lobby, that one of the students who had been critically injured was actually a Pike Road student. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, there was nothing to make that connection from what I had read, you know, in the morning. Right. So now I think everybody knows it's, it's, it's out there. We have a, a cheerleader, um, and then another cheerleader who used to cheer for Pike Road, right. who, who lives up in Dadeville now. Um, both of them are um, have been critically injured, and you know have good doctors, you know, yeah, yeah, um, that we're praying for. And so, when when something like that happens, you know, there's so many different emotions, and there's so many questions, and there's so many like, what are we supposed to do? Right, right. And the best thing you can do in any situation is always pray. You know, and I think that that's hard for us sometimes to acknowledge. We we think we need to do something, and right. God can do more in five seconds than we could do in an entire lifetime. And so, I'm grateful for our faith leaders in our community. So Patrick Quinn, who pastors Century Church, um, a fantastic pastor, yeah, a fantastic man of God, yeah. and someone who's become a good friend. He texted me yesterday afternoon, texted the other pastors, and um, we were able to pull together pretty quickly a prayer vigil that St. James hosted. Grateful. Yeah. Pastor Lester there, they did an awesome job opening up their facility. And Chad, you were there. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't count. I don't know how many people counted, but it had to be five, six hundred people. I mean, at least, yeah. yeah hundreds of students that were there, there yeah. that we were able to pray for and pray over. And they're hurting. Yeah. You know, these are their friends. And so they're hurting and they have a lot of questions. And we were back on campus early this morning. Matt Aldridge has been there all day. And yeah. um, Principal Andrea Manis is doing a fantastic job leading through this inviting faith faith leaders to be there, uh, to counsel with students, to pray with students, to listen to students, um, and just be an encouragement to students. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, w- when something like that happens in a community, you know, you come together, you pray, and um, ultimately, as Patrick did such a great job at the prayer vigil reminding all of us, we're reminded we are Easter resurrection people. That's right. You know, yeah. darkness can't prevail when the light is chasing <clears throat> away the darkness. And right. so, yes, this happened— but it's not going to ultimately defeat us, not because we live in a great community, not because we have wonderful people, not because we have great leaders. Ultimately, it's not going to defeat us because of who Jesus is. That's right. Yeah. And because we are his people. And so as we continue to move forward, you know, we'll continue to pray. We'll continue to rally around these students and rally around these families and be a support for them. But it's a great reminder. You know, anytime you go through something in life that is tragic, there's three things that I always kind of come back to in, in my life and, and as, as an encouragement to people over the years who are walking through these seasons. You know, one is draw close to God. 
You know, the Bible says when you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Sometimes in our efforts of questioning and disillusionment, we can push God away. Mm-hmm. And the encouragement there is go to God with your disillusionment. Right. Go to God with right. your questions. Go to God with your frustration, maybe even anger. God is big enough to absorb yeah. that, and so draw near to God. You know, the second thing is, and this is going to sound maybe different, but having encouraged people with this a lot over the years, I've seen the power in it. Give yourself permission to mourn, mm. however that looks. All of us handle grief differently. Yeah, There's no right or wrong way to do that. And so when you're walking through a season like this, you don't know how you're supposed to respond, and that's okay. However you <laughs> respond is how you're supposed to respond. Right. And you need to give yourself permission to be okay with that. And then the third thing is you have to lean on the strength of your friends. You know, none of us are are capable of walking through seasons of tragedy on our own. Mm-hmm. So isolation is the worst thing in a, in a situation yeah, like right. this. That's and right. yeah. That was one of the encouragements I shared with several students last night who I could tell were, were very upset. And after praying with the student who's surrounded by their friends, the first thing I said to the student was, it looks like you have amazing friends. Yeah. And they all agreed. And I said, well, this is what's going to really help you in the season. And that's true whether you're a teenager or an adult. Right. And so, you know, if you're walking through any season of, of, of tragedy, then, you know, that's what you want to do. And if you have someone in your life that's walking through the season <clears throat> of a tragedy, don't ever underestimate the power of your presence. Mm. You don't always have to know what to say, but right. just being there in so many ways does provide yeah. comfort. Right. And so, yes, as a Pike Road community, you know, we're going to move forward and um, we'll be better for this. But there are two young ladies who, in many ways, are kind of fighting for their lives. And so yeah. I would call on our entire Vaughn Forest family to pray for them. And then, obviously, the individuals who passed away, there were four of them. Um, None of them lived in the Pike Road community, but they're, this is the River Region, man. This right. is yeah. you know this is where we live, and so let's be in prayer for those families as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, well, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, so this Sunday we did start a new series uh, called Sermon on the Mount. Um, you know, so what made you want to do a series on this particular uh, passage? Yeah, I mean, I, I like going through books of the Bible. Um, the challenge is some of the books in the Bible are really long. And so, you know, if you want to <laughs> do an entire the, series good stuff in there. on it's a good, book in the Bible, which, trust me, I, I mean, I'm in. You know, yeah, I, right, hey, right. let's, let's yeah. go for 18 months in the book of a Bible. The Bible. The rest of y'all might get bored. So that's maybe why we don't do that. So, um, <laughs> well, we're doing 13 weeks. You know, so. are there some longer passages in the Bible that we can camp out in? Yeah. So um, I'll tell you one we're going to do eventually down the road. I was talking with Sam about this, my oldest son, this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to do a whole series just on that chapter. Okay. So I try to find, you know, these passages of Scripture that I just love, and then let's really dissect it. And so the Sermon on the Mount is kind of the ball and the tee. It's one sermon. Yeah. It's three yes. chapters. You can't cover it in three weeks. So let's take some time <laughs> yeah, and let's right. really dive into it. And we haven't done that. So yeah. I thought, hey, you know, this would be, it's been on a list. Um, I actually have a running list of sermon series and books that I'd like to teach. And okay. I just constantly add yeah. to it. And it's like a working document. And so this has been on the list yeah. for a few years. That's awesome. And I just felt like the Lord kind of led me to do it yeah. now. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a good, be a good series. Yeah. So you mentioned that the first two verses of Matthew chapter 5 kind of have some history and implications that you didn't really have time to get into into the message. And so once again, we are going to fulfill the promise you made during your sermon about <laughs> discussing it on the other six podcasts. So let's talk about verses one and two of Matthew chapter five. Yeah, I mean, how many more questions do we have? Because you know, this, this, uh, this, may, this may be the podcast. This so, may be it. <laughs> so let's go back and talk about Moses first. All right. All so right. we all remember Moses way, way from back. the Old yeah, Testament. I like it. Okay. 
So sometimes, because Moses, I mean, is such a big character yeah. that does so many amazing things through the power of God, we kind of forget how Moses got started. So mm-hmm. how did Moses get started? Well, he was a baby, like yep. the rest of yeah. us, but there's some interesting things about Moses' life as a baby. So if we can remember what those things are, well, Moses is being born at a time where the Pharaoh has issued a decree to kill Hebrew babies, right. male yeah. babies, because the population is getting out of control. So Moses is born in this time period, and what does his mom do? She puts him in a mm-hmm. basket mm-hmm. and floats him down, down the river, river right? Yeah. Well, lo and behold, who happens to find baby Moses but someone who is from Pharaoh's household, which is why Moses was raised in Pharaoh's household. Right. The old movie came out years ago called The Prince of Egypt. Oh, and I thought great. they did a pretty yeah. good job capturing that. You know, adding some creative license to it, but capturing, you know, the story of Moses growing up, you know, in the house of Pharaoh. And so Moses obviously grows up, and then we kind of know the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Hebrew, the Exodus and God rescuing his people, we just talked about it a few weeks ago with the Passover. Mm -hmm. That is the celebration. That is the big, miraculous God rescuing his people you know, that is the pivotal event of the Old right, Testament. Right, right. And, and we see how that was kind of setting the table for the Passover for Jesus, ultimately, right? Yeah. So Matthew writes his gospel primarily to a Jewish audience. You know, obviously, we anybody can read Matthew's gospel and, right. and understand it, but he had, a, he had an audience in mind when he wrote it, and we, we know that for a lot of different reasons as you study Matthew's gospel. But if you look at Matthew chapter 1 through 5, some things kind of start to become um, kind of obvious to me. But then let me just kind of say this for a second. This is my opinion. Sure. You know, this is not, if you don't agree with this, that doesn't, Matthew stands on its own, whether what I'm about to say (laughs) is a corollary or not. (laughs) So the first point to make there is the chapters were added later. Right. So when Matthew was writing his gospel, he didn't put a gigantic two beside, you know, chapter two. So at some point in the history of you know Christianity, like chapter and verses uh, delineations were added to help us navigate the Bible. Right. Yeah. So like the chapters are the name of a neighborhood, and the verses are the name of the street you live on in the neighborhood. Right. If you didn't have those things, good luck finding anybody's house. I, I was about to say, know? can you imagine trying to find specific right. you know yeah, passages it's without? Same, it? like, that'd it's be kind of the same yeah. principle. So yeah. yeah. So Matthew chapters one through five, a lot of people have said, well, Matthew was trying to uh, make a correlation between the Pentateuch which is the first five books of the Old Testament. But I'm like, that's ah, a little bit of a stretch because he's not the one who gave these chapter delineations. Right. But mm-hmm. perhaps the person who did was trying sure. to, you know, so there's a whole lot of things you can really, you know, yeah. I told you this may be the last question we talk about today, all right? No, but I, cool. I, I love great. this kind of stuff. So in Matthew chapter one, we get the lineage that got us to Jesus. Right. Yeah. So Abraham to David to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So why is he doing that? Well, to show us that Jesus is the promised Messiah from the Old Testament. It's just a long list of names. Yeah. Matthew chapter 2 is really where Matthew talks about the birth of Jesus. But if you read Matthew chapter 2, th- the birth of Jesus is to point out that the Magi visited, which is then to ultimately help us understand how Jesus ends up in Egypt. Right. So that's the point of Matthew chapter 2. Everything is setting that up. So so how does Jesus, as a young toddler, end up in Egypt? Well, Herod issues a decree for all the Hebrew male babies to, to be killed. Right. Yeah. Well, any Hebrew reader is like, Moses. This right. is Moses yeah, all yeah. over again. It's the right. same story. It's literally yeah. the exact right. same storyline. And so Moses 
is rescued from that by being raised in the house of Pharaoh in Egypt. And the way that Jesus is rescued from that is by an angel visiting Joseph and telling Joseph, go to Egypt. Mm-hmm. So in both incidents, Egypt is the place of refuge and rescue for both Moses and Jesus. Interesting. So okay. you're seeing this in Matthew chapter 2, and you're like, wow. Well, obviously, what happens then for Moses is he grows up, and God sends him to Pharaoh, and he leads the people of Egypt excuse me, the people of Israel, the Hebrew people out of Egypt, God parts the Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea into the Promised Land. Well, when you get to Matthew chapter 3, we're introduced to John the Baptist for the point of helping us see that at the end of Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens after Moses takes the children of Israel through the Red Sea? They wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. And there's a lot of reasons why, but that's (laughs) what happens. Well, what happens in Matthew chapter 4? Jesus has led into the wilderness, and it's in the wilderness that he's tempted by Satan. And so Mm -hmm. in many ways, the trials that the Hebrew people faced in the wilderness that they failed, Jesus is victorious Ah, in these trials in the wilderness. And then after all of that with Moses and being in the wilderness, God calls Moses to Mount Sinai, and he gives Moses, his perfect law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, Moses comes down and they've all made bail. <laughs> right. And it's right, like, right. here we go again. You right. Know, yeah. this, can't well, get it right. I left for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we all know that. So, so when we get to Matthew chapter five and it says that Jesus ascended upon a mountain and he sat down and he began to teach, well, it's like, well, so far he's been tracking with everything from the Hebrew people and Moses' involvement that it would make sense that after the wilderness experience and Moses ascending to a mountain to receive God's law, after Jesus's wilderness experience, Jesus will ascend to a mountain, not to receive God's law, but to explain God's law. So what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount is actually drawing a correlation between the law and, and what people have understood about the law up until that point, but then taking that law and, and, and explaining it at a heart level. Mm. Like, here's the whole purpose behind the law. Right. Yeah. First of all, you're not going to attain it. But second of all, it goes much deeper than whether or not your behaviors match the law. It's actually more about what's going right. on in your right. heart. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. And so I would say that, yes, those first two verses where Jesus ascends, sits at a mountain, and begins to teach, if you're Again, reading Matthew's gospel the way that I'm kind of understanding the correlations sure. there, that's the next step. Yeah. And then once that happens, now we're launched into Jesus's ministry, right. and the rest yeah. of Matthew's gospel is going to really speak in, in similar terms to some of the other gospels. But the way he gets us here, in my opinion, I think there was a lot of intentionality in that. That's really, really cool. I've never thought of it from, you know, understanding <laughs> the audience of the book, how when you view it from that perspective, that, that there's so much more going on than yeah. you realize at first blush. Right. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, where did the name Beatitudes come from? Is there any further yeah, meaning of the about, name? Talked yeah. about the Beatitudes. So, yeah. yeah. So the Bible. I mean, someone says, "What's your favorite Bible translation?" I always say, "The one you'll read." Yeah. So uh, you know, I, it, nobody has a original manuscript. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Aramaic and Greek. Uh-huh. Um, and so, at what point did the Bible start to get translated into right. other languages? So. Latin was mm-hmm. one of the languages that the Bible got eventually translated into, and yeah. it was called the Vulgate, the Vulgate. Latin that's Vulgate. That's a fun word. And so like a toothpaste. In the Latin... <laughs> that's Colgate. Sorry. <laughs> very similar. In the Latin Vulgate, 
the word beatitude has its origins in the Latin language. And okay, so that okay. just kind of stuck okay, right. the, over the years in, in Christianity and in, in, in Christian and in, in history of Christianity. But that's where it originally shows gotcha. up. It's not in the original Aramaic. It's not mm-hmm. in the original Greek. It's in the translation to Latin. Okay, gotcha. that's cool. Okay. So let's dig into the beatitudes a little bit. Um, I really liked what you said about how the application of the Beatitudes to our life results in in spiritual growth. It's interesting to me how several of the Beatitudes kind of seem a little contradictory, and and we often see that in God's economy, that the way we think something will result, like God uses that and turns it kind of on its head a little bit. Things like, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that the poor have the kingdom of heaven, or blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Why do you think that that is? Why do you think that, that so often we see things as contradictory, that, that God has those things be that way? I think, I mean, God is trying to clarify what's true, and Jesus is trying to clarify what's true. I mean, this fallen, broken world has so jaded all of our perspectives. Yeah. You know, we're so far from the garden, we don't even know right from wrong anymore as wow. a society, as a culture, yeah. as a people. But I think when you look at the Sermon on the Mount— you know, I'm not a big fan of boxing. I'm not against it. It's just never really been my like thing. The sport? Yeah. Oh, you know, okay. you watch people box, <laughs> I, and I think where, where, like yeah. MMA is a little <laughs> yeah, more yeah. popular these sure. days. So the only boxing um, I ever got into was, you know, being an Atlanta kid, I liked Evander Holyfield. Okay. You know, he's kind of from yeah. Atlanta. And anytime we debate the Mount Rushmore of Atlanta athletes, you know, you've always got to d- d- discuss Evander, you know, because he, I mean, he was world yeah. champion. Mm-hmm. So I remember being in high school when Evander Holyfield fought Mike Tyson, and this was going to be a big deal. And I so my this. parents agreed, like, that we could buy it on pay-per-view. And it was really expensive. <laughs> and we had, like, 30 <laughs> of my friends come over man, to yeah. watch this yeah. boxing match. And, I mean, 30 seconds in, Mike Tyson bites his ear, <laughs> off. His ear yeah. off. And so it's like, we just wasted well? all this money. The fight's over. Right. It's like, what are we doing? And so, like, again, boxing has never really been my thing. <laughs> sure. And but, that ruined it for him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing? So, But, like, what if you're boxing somebody, there's a couple of different strategies you can use. I do know this. Okay. And the Creed movies are fantastic, yeah. by the way. So, yeah. I've not Rocky. seen yeah. Oh, man, the Creed movies will hold up now. Are, Come on. Yes. I, I, I honestly have never seen one. So, Bro, I, okay. listen, I can't wait to see Creed 3. The first two are fantastic okay Okay. so when you're boxing you know you can kind of take this approach like jab 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 i'm 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 gonna outlast you over the Mm -hmm. course of 12 rounds yeah or you just come out swinging i mean (laughs) if i knock you out in the first round this thing is over what was uh, butterbean you remember butterbean the boxer the big dude he would just (laughs) this is mike tyson's punch out is that we're talking about he's a real dude butterbean he would just swing (laughs) he did nintendo man he was just this big old dude that did exactly what you were talking about anyway sorry so yeah Butterbean. When man. Jesus sits down to deliver the Sermon on the Mount, there are no jabs. This okay. is a left hook. I'm gonna I'm literally just attacking this so with so much force that it's almost shocking. Okay. Because you gotta remember, like the people he's talking to, they're convinced they're doing it wrong. They're convinced that it's the Pharisees who God loves. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the law keepers and givers that have God's favor. They have the money. They have the resources. Right. They have the education. Yeah, okay. They right. have the clout. They have the status. They have the name. Most of the people who are alive in Jesus' time, it, it they're looking for their next meal. Th- mm. These are not people of means. They're not just poor in spirit. They're poor in every right. imaginable way. And in their mind, that dynamic is reflective of God's blessing and or favor. So they've convinced themselves oh. that God isn't for them. 
God is for who they look to and see as the quote unquote successful. Oh, I see. So when Jesus starts saying this, no, 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 you're blessed. And then describes them. Oh yeah, we're poor in spirit. You know, yes, we mourn a lot. Yes, yeah. our life is difficult. Yeah. And and there were Pharisees there that day. They're listening. They're taking this in. They're mm-hmm. watching all of this take place. There's a reason why they wanted to kill him. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was just delivering left hook after left hook right. after left hook, Threatening completely. You know, just breaking down every established paradigm that existed right. that everyone had convinced themselves were actually tied to God. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to incrementally chip away at that for three years. You got to hit it with everything you had. Yeah. And this yeah. is Jesus's way of doing that unapologetically. Wow. So by the end of the Sermon on the Mount, everybody who was there who was discouraged is encouraged. Yeah. And everyone there who thought they were something, they're now mad. Yeah. yeah and this yeah. is the beauty of the Sermon on the <laughs> Mount. Oh, really, really sad. Wow. That's that. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know about the connection between that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, you talked about spiritual growth. Uh, is a result of our brokenness, like being broken over our sin. So what does that look like um, to be broken over our sin? And, you know, I have a follow-up question for that, too. What If someone doesn't feel broken over their sin, should they be seeking that out? Yeah, that's a great, yeah, that's that's great. I mean, both of those are, are really, really good. Um, so let's just talk about that for a second. Okay. Um, I think some of us think sometimes that when we sin— God will be quick to like make a stop. Mm-hmm. It's like when my kids used to try to stick a fork in an outlet. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to do everything I can to keep that from happening, you know? Yeah. Let's put more covers on the outlets. Or the, I'm, they're going to dive off of the kitchen table. So, you know, as a loving father, I'm going to do everything right. I can to keep that from happening. Right. I think sometimes that's how we view God when it comes to sin. Okay. It's like, well, if I sin really bad, now God will slap me on the hand. Yeah. God will make me stop. God will point out what I'm supposed to be doing. No. That's not how it happens because God gives you freedom. So like you can do whatever the heck you want. Okay. God's not going to hit you with lightning. God's not going to run, run your car off the road. God's not going to make you lose your job. Okay. You have freedom. So what happens a lot of times is Christians dabble a little bit in sin. Mm. They do something they're not supposed to. And guess what? No consequences. Nothing, Nothing happens. Yeah. Now the flip side of that dynamic is that part of the enemy's strategy is to withhold the consequences from your sin as yeah. long as possible. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, if you grew up in church and went to Sunday school and attended a few VBSs, you probably got a little bit of scared of Satan and thought, you know, he's kind of a bad dude. Oh, no, he, he's he's your buddy. He'll, he, I mean, he'll, he'll lure you in. Yeah. He'll make this seem like this is great. He'll withhold the consequences, and you'll be the exception. And you can do some things, and you're getting away with it, and and mm-hmm. and Satan's right there all along, going, "Isn't this it's great? Fun. Isn't this wonderful?" Yeah. I mean, all those people who tried to tell you not to do this, they didn't yeah. know what they were talking about. They were just trying to keep you from having fun. Mm-hmm. So now he's withholding the consequences. God's letting you freely choose to do what you want to do. Yeah. And then Scripture says, eventually, your conscience gets seared, mm-hmm. and you're walking in sin, and you don't even know wow. it. Right. Yeah. And it's at that point that Satan will unleash all hell into your life where the consequences hit you with everything you mm-hmm. could imagine and even more. Mm-hmm. So how do you avoid that situation? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Matt, what I would tell you is that very seldom, and this is kind of embarrassing to admit, I'm going to a little vulnerable here for a second, very seldom in a neutral state of just going through my day mm-hmm. does it just hit me out of nowhere you sinned because I tend to tell myself I'm doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. We all do that. Yeah. 
if I'm not in God's word and if I'm not spending time in prayer and when it hits me the most sometimes is when I'm alone in my car listening to some worship music, Mm -hmm. that's when I get convicted. Yeah. That's when God says, let's talk about this. What about that? What about that? Yeah. You know, I'm trying to praise God's name, mm-hmm. and James is very clear that 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 when you're trying to praise God's name, and there's other things that, that yeah. that's just not going to work, right. right? You know, and so it's when I seek God mm-hmm. that God is kind and gracious enough to reveal to me yeah. some unconfessed sin in my life. Now, why is God doing that? Because He loves me, mm-hmm. and because I believe as my loving Father that he genuinely wants to guide me in my life mm-hmm. and unconfessed sin is going to be a hindrance to me receiving his guidance. Yeah. So, but if I'm not seeking God, I can go for a while and actually think I'm doing this Christian thing pretty good. Right. So when I say being broken over your sin, the way that that happens is by seeking God. Yeah. Very seldom in your own state, are you just going to be broken over your sin? Because you're probably going to tell yourself you're doing a pretty good job. Right. But when you seek God, what does what does Romans say? It's his kindness that right. leads us to repentance. Yeah. So when we seek God in his kindness, he'll point out some things about our lives yeah. that we need to repent from and confess. And Jesus already paid the price for it. And, and that's how that daily cultivation of that mm-hmm. relationship, we can keep ourselves as much as possible from the scenario I described earlier, right. yeah. where you're kind of starting to, because the sooner God convicts you of that, yeah. the better. Right, you know, yeah. before you get so far down the road, does right, that make yeah. sense? Yeah, that yeah. your conscience has gotten seared. So, you know, that continual pattern, there is a brokenness. When I realize, man, I, I'm, I'm having the same conversation again. Mm-hmm. Like I'm confessing the same thing again. And if you find yourself in that place where you do feel like I'm kind of stuck, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Adam, but like I, I kind of. Well, that's where you probably need to step into the presence of another believer who can maybe help you, maybe a Christian counselor that can help you. God does want you to attain victory in your life and experience breakthrough. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it does require the help of another brother or sister, maybe a professional, someone who can... Because sometimes what I'm describing, honestly, isn't enough. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is you then do have to lean on another person to help you as yeah. well. But I would say if you seek God continually, He will be faithful to reveal to you those things that ultimately should lead to kind of a broken and contrite heart, is what yeah. David calls it in the book of Psalms. And that is part of our spiritual growth. Yeah, That's I think good. one of the most dangerous prayers is search me. That's yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. You 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 better be careful when you it, say that. And yeah. it's the best prayer you could pray yeah. for your long term spiritual growth. Yeah. It may not be fun in the short term. Yeah. But it, for the long term, it will be better. And that's when he normally goes, Hey, this over here. Right. Yeah. Search yeah. I'm mm-hmm. searching you and right here, that's where we need some growth. That's good. Yeah. Not like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. Like that. I'm with you. That is good. <laughs> yeah. So one of your points was that spiritual growth results from mercy that leads to sacrifice, not pity. And I want you to unpack that for us a little bit more, because what does it mean to have mercy that leads to sacrifice? Live on less than you make. Okay. So most Christians who are moved to mercy can't do anything about it because their finances are completely out of whack. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you just have pity. You just feel sorry for them. Okay. And that didn't accomplish anything. So the, the, the pragmatic way to go about doing that is live on less than you make. 
I don't I don't care what your plan is. Is it the Dave Ramsey plan? Is it another plan? Sure. Is, you know, if I, just have a plan. If you don't have a plan, then you don't have a plan. Like your plan is to fail. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. I guess you do have a plan. Yeah. It's just not a good it's one. It's not a good one. So you know, here's a, a plan. Like Dave Ramsey has a great plan. You uh-huh. know, nothing wrong with his plan. Another plan is a 70-10-10-10 plan. Where you just say, I'm going to live on 70% of my income. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're going to figure out a way to make 70% of our income work because the rest of the world lives on far less than 70% of your income, right. regardless of whatever your income is right now that yeah. you're listening. And so, what are you going to do with those other three categories of 10%? Well, I believe the first 10% is returned to, to God through the local church. We call that the tithe. Well, then you've also got these other two 10%. Well, maybe one 10% needs to be used for long term investments. Maybe another 10% needs to be used to, you know, reduce all of your debt if you don't want to follow the Dave Ramsey plan. Maybe another 10% needs to be used to be generous. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't, you know, again, this is between you and the Lord. But if you set up a mechanism that allows you to live on less than you make, now you can address real needs when God moves you to mercy. You're not supposed to address every need. Hmm. I mean, there are millions of needs in this world. Yeah. Not every need is has your name on it. Right. Yeah. But when God yeah. does move you, if you've built in some margin, now you can actually do something about it. So mercy that leads to sacrifice. I could have used this money for something else for myself, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use this money to actually become part of the solution, that the mercy is going to move me to do something with it. And so I think there's a lot of decisions there that, that you know, you have to make as, as a household, you know, w- when's enough enough? Right. You know, if, if you just, you know, keep, I want a bigger house and I want a newer car and I want this and I want that. There's nothing wrong with providing for your family and living yeah. in a, a good neighborhood and having a good home and reliable right. vehicles. So, right. But like at some point, like you, you kind of have to put a stake in the ground and go, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. So from this point forward, whatever God blesses us with is not going to be for our own consumption. It's going to be so we can be a blessing for others. Right. So it is directly tied, the mercy in our heart, to how we manage the finances. Sure. Because right. then that allows us to do something about it. So is it, and, and that's a great point, is it just a financial thing or can it also be like how we act and a call to action in our lives? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if God, you know, again, not every need has your name on it. Right. But right. as you're moving throughout your day, like be in tune if, if there's something that God kind of begins to move right. in your heart towards mm-hmm. and, and you know, it doesn't happen all the time and it doesn't happen in the same different way. But right. yes, if God moves you to mercy, act on it, do yeah. something about it. Don't, don't just feel sorry for somebody. Like they don't need that. Right. They need you to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Right. So yeah, it is an everyday thing as well. But the principle of preparation still definitely applies in all those situations. I think that's really yeah. good. That's good. So the beatitude that says blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Um, what does that mean to be pure in heart? Is uh, that something that we're born with? Um, is it something that we work towards? Can we even achieve that on our own? We're definitely not born with it. We're born <laughs> yeah, with as a, a, I was a saying, sin that, nature. Like... Yeah. So, again, so many Christians get caught up in perfection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we say things like pure in heart, they immediately go, well, how is that possible? I sin every day. Right. Okay, so let's right-size that. If you're a Christ follower, you are already pure in heart. Okay. Okay? Your identity is in Jesus Christ. You are seated in the heavenlies, Mm -hmm. is what Scripture says. So God looks at you and sees purity of heart. Okay. That is your identity, which means... Anything you're doing that's more representative of the flesh is actually counter to who you are. It, it's hmm. not who you are. Have you, yeah. have we ever, why do we sin? It's a good question to ask. Why do we sin? If my identity is in Christ, if I'm seated in the heavenlies, if God declares I'm pure of heart, mm-hmm. why do I sin? 
Well, on some level, there's a need that we have that's not being met that we're seeking to be met in other different ways. Hmm. So what's true factually, theologically, biblically, may not be true experientially. Okay. So the journey of our spiritual growth is to actually experience what God says is true. That's Mm -hmm. spiritual growth as best as I can define it. So what I want to do is I want to cooperate with who God already says I am. Mm -hmm. So blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, a good prayer to pray every single morning is, God, today, I'm not going to try to live for you. God, today, I'm not going to try to accomplish great things for you. God, today, I'm just going to rest in the truth of who you say I am, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to make myself available for you to work through me, however you see fit. If I try to live for you in my own strength, it's not going to go well. Hmm. If I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit for you to live your life through me, Mm -hmm. I'm available. And God, I want to confess any sin in my life that would keep me from seeing how you're working Mm -hmm. in and through me and all around me because I don't want to miss you today. And and, and that is a prayer that will free you up. Hmm. That is a prayer that will free you up, that, that God doesn't need you to accomplish anything for his kingdom. He needs for you to be available for him to accomplish what he wants to through you mm-hmm. for his kingdom. That's why you're here. And far too many times as believers, we're so caught up in all the things that we can accomplish for God that we miss out on what God may want to accomplish through us. Mm-hmm. And it may not even be something that was on our radar for that day. Right. Yeah. And it may not even be something that we, by the world standards, would think is significant. And yet in God's economy, he may have used you today to do something that only... On the other side of heaven, you'll know right. what an, an impact yeah. that yeah. was. Yeah. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So when when you approach your spiritual growth that way, everything we're talking about is tied to your heart, and it's tied to your desires, and it's tied to your pursuit, and it's tied to your intentions, and it's yeah. tied to the relationship that you are acknowledging that you have with God. And 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 I can't stress enough how much it is a daily thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, any healthy marriage, like if at any point in the marriage you were just like, I think once a week we'll be fine. Like if we just talk yeah. once a week, we'll be yeah. fine. If, if we just try to connect once a week, we'll be fine. Yeah. Well, now I can guarantee your marriage is going to go in the other direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So apply the same principles that we know how to grow any good loving relationship into your relationship with God. And then in time, it will almost start to become a little intuitive with how you're sensing what God is up to around you and through yeah. you and in you and with you. And and it, and it frees you up from trying to figure out how you're supposed to, quote unquote, do all this. Right. Mm, that's yeah. really good. So I, I loved what you said about fighting for unity, uh, specifically in the church. And the beatitude that, that you kind of connected to that was, you know, blessed are the pe- peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And it's almost another one of these examples of like it seeming like a a beatitude is a little bit contradictory, even though it's not. And so, you know, this idea of a peacemaker being someone who fights. So can we unpack that a little bit more? Evil never stops on its own. Mm-hmm. Somebody yeah. has to stand up to it. Yeah. Somebody has to stop it. Somebody has to say enough. Yeah. Somebody has to say we're not going to gossip. Somebody has to say we're not going to talk bad about them when they're not here. Yeah. Somebody has to say, I'm not really sure this conversation is very fruitful. Okay. That's yeah. what I mean by fighting okay. for peace. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're not swinging. <laughs> you're having the courage to say what needs to be said. Right. And, you know, I've had people have to do that to me. 
you know, hey, man, it doesn't really sound like that you're being part of the solution here. It sounds like you're being part of the problem here. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good for a brother in Christ to call me out. So unity never happens. You would think that if you put a bunch of Christians together in a church, that they would just all be unified because of Jesus. Right. Well, we've been in church longer than five minutes. You know that's not the case. Right, right, right. Because who's, who's trying to, you know, who's like a roaring lion seeking who he can destroy? Right. The enemy. So somebody has to stand up to evil. Somebody has to stand up to the enemy. Somebody has to fight him off. Somebody yeah. has to fight for unity. Somebody has to say, hey, like, let's make sure we include that person. I mean, one of the right. things I love about our student ministry that you did a great job with this past year and then Matt Aldridge, since he's gotten here, is working really hard in our adults that volunteer in the student ministry, working really hard that when a new student walks in, he or she feels welcome and accepted right. yeah. immediately. Right. They're not just over in the corner somewhere. Well, that's a fight. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's intentional. You right. have to fight for that because right. the very nature of any group of people is going to be to become super cliquish and uh, ignore um, somebody that. Yeah. Well, so yeah, when I say you got to fight for unity, it's it's a proactive attack that that we already know because of what Scripture tells us that Satan's trying to destroy this church. Yeah. yeah. Every single day. Yeah. So if we're not preparing to fight against him through our unity, and that's what Jesus prayed for. Right. He literally prayed for our unity and said that our unity would be the greatest witness to the world right. for who he is. Mm-hmm. So that has to constantly be on our radar. And, and the moment a church assumes that that will happen is the first step towards um, a lot of disharmony yeah. and, unfortunately, unity no longer being the mark of that church. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I think what you say there is so important because I think so often we forget there is a real enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy yes. Everything that you have. And so the point there about how you have to kind of be, to me, you're talking about being proactive, proactive towards unity, proactive towards peace. And uh, I think that's such an important principle that can so Mm -hmm. easily, because I think oftentimes we think, well, if we just kind of keep quiet, everything will be fine. No, 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 no. We are going to fight for that unity. I think that's so good. You know the old phrase, don't make a mountain out of a molehill? Did anybody else's grandparents use that? So that's not what we're talking about. Right. I mean, some things you just need to let go. That's You know, some things aren't worth the fight. You know, they have a different opinion. Yeah. We're not going to make a mountain out of a molehill. Right. But we also will spread to conflict. Yeah. Yeah. If we send something's up, like we will lovingly lean into it yeah. and we'll say what's going on and let's right. talk that out and let's figure that out. And, you know, that's what mature believers do. But we don't make a, a big deal about things that don't need to be made a big deal of. Right. But mm-hmm. if it's disrupting unity, that's yeah. A big deal. You know, yeah. yeah. And, and like I said in the message, you know, that started long before I got here. Right. You know, that's kind of been one of the markers for 29 years of Vaughn Forest. Yeah. And yeah. in many ways, the baton's in our hands right now. Right. Because we have to continue to make sure that we're fighting for that. Yeah, and, and it's such a—it's in the DNA, like you said, of Vaughn Forest Church. It's so cool to see. Yeah. Well, yesterday you said that spiritual growth results when we are persecuted for Jesus and that we rejoice in our future inheritance. So I just want to talk about what it looks like to be persecuted for Jesus today. Because when I think about that um, and things that we're usually going through, it's not what the disciples were going through. It's not what some of the martyrs of our faith went through. So what does that look like today? Well, yeah, it's a good question because I think that there's a season of life component to that. Mm -hmm. So if you have kids, teenagers, (laughs) um, you know, you don't, don't ever undermine them mm-hmm. for what is most important to them right, right. now in their yeah. life, which is how their peers view them. Right. Yeah. And so for us, it can well, you won't even know these kids in five years. Get over it. You know, <laughs> or, who cares what they think? Get over it. Well, that's their world. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly so for right. them, you know, a little bit of persecution because they feel like they're different mm-hmm. and how they're processing that. And 
what that's costing them and yeah. relational equity and mm-hmm. what that's cost and status or even their own security so many right. times. So we got to really lean into that with our own kids and, and help build that security and the relationship with Christ and their yeah. identity in Christ. But yeah, for, for if you've got a teenager that's trying to walk with Jesus, they're, they're facing persecution, yeah. Yeah. whether they're verbalizing that to you or not. Just know that, parents. Yeah. And then, that's you good. know, for those of us who are adults, um, I've always, I mean, I said this for years in student ministry, and now that I've got a, a son that's in the student ministry, I'm, I'm watching it as a parent. Satan's attack is always worse on teenagers than adults. Mm-hmm. because most adults have kind of already figured out who they want to be. Right. Right. Teenagers are still trying to figure all that out. So he, he's really coming after them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you watch that with, with teenagers and you try to encourage them. But then as, as adults, you know, as our world moves further away from the things of God, don't be so surprised. Yeah. You know, I see Christians sometimes just losing their ever-loving mind because our culture isn't Christ-like. I'm like, well, what'd you think it was going to be? <laughs> right. right. I mean, let's just cut a bunch of sinners loose and let them run everything. Yeah, yeah. this is where it gets us. That's right. Yeah. That's this, exactly. that's, and and guess what that is? All of human history. Yeah. Right. That didn't start four years ago. Nothing new. Didn't start the 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Didn't start 20 years ago. It's been moving in this consistent trajectory for all of human history. It's just where we are on the spectrum now. right now. Right. Now, to be fair... It does feel a little different. I mean, yeah. there are some things now that I'm just like, interesting. Like, that's really what we're celebrating right. as a culture. Right. Yeah. So, you know, for years we were told that we should um, that we should be more tolerant. And, you know, I get it, but I always just kind of sense that's not the real bar. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't. Tolerance, no. We yeah. moved from tolerant to now you need to be accepting right. to now you better be celebrating. Right. Then mm. if you're not celebrating, you're intolerant. Mm. And and most of our country is like, you know, I'm not a I'm not a bigot and I'm a tolerant person to people who are different than me, but I'm not gonna celebrate that. Yeah. Right. And so that's unfortunately where our culture is now. And 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 you just need to know as a Christ follower that if you're not gonna join the celebrate camp, you'll be persecuted. Right. Yeah. By our culture at large. And just understand that. Mm-hmm. And then part of what we have to do as Christ followers in our culture and our society, and this is a burden of mine that I don't have all the answers to, mm. we do need to find our voice. Mm. Yeah. Um, I spent some time with some lawmakers a couple weeks ago down at the state house here in the state of Alabama at a prayer breakfast. Yeah. And I was sitting with a guy who his whole career is in a whole other field. I don't have time to, get, time to talk about and he said something that I was like, that's a really good line. It's interesting. And I hadn't planned on sharing this today, but he said, if you're not, if you don't have a seat at the table, you'll be eaten at the table. Mm-hmm. And so I do think there's something to that. Yeah. So I'm telling you, you're going to be persecuted. But I also think Christians, we've got to find our voice and culture and society to yeah. have a seat at the table. But a lot of times... That's meant a bull in a china shop is how you get your seat at the table, right? <laughs> right, right you right, come right. in and just, you, you just know, call it. everybody yeah. names, right? tell bean, everybody how know? they're wrong. Yeah. That's right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think in today's world that's the best approach to take, but we do need Christians to speak up. Right. Yeah. Call your senator, call your representative, speak your mind. Don't feel like you have to keep your beliefs to yourself. We need a voice in the marketplace. We need a voice in culture. Yeah. We need a voice in society. We need voices at the voting polls. We we need to be all of those things. Yeah. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. In light of the fact that we will continue to be persecuted. Right. Not right. so that we will no longer be persecuted. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, yeah. So it is a both and. You, you, can, you can look at the persecution and just go, okay, that looks like this is where we're at. Yeah. But that doesn't mean become a monk 
You know, right. that doesn't mean disengage. Right. That doesn't mean what it means is okay. Well, where how do we find our voice in the midst of yeah. that to continue to be a light? Yeah, because right. that is what we've been called to do. Right. And so ever since that guy told me that, I've been wrestling with that and praying that through. What yeah. does it look like to have a seat at the table in our society now? Right. And it's different than it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, yeah. 50 years ago. And it'll be different 50 years from now. Yeah. But I do think it's something we need to have on our radar. Yeah, yeah. That, that is really yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's good. Well, gentlemen, this has been a fantastic conversation, a great kickoff to the, the Sermon on the Mount series. I'm looking yeah. forward to continuing that this week. And uh, that'll be at 9.30 and 11 here at Vaughn Forest Church. For some reason, you can't be with us here on campus. You can always join us online at vaughnforest.com. And this is uh, this is a 13-week series, so we got 12 more weeks. And uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of fun, so we're looking yeah. forward to that. Well, gentlemen, thank you for being here today. And we appreciate you joining us and tuning in to the Other Six Podcast. On behalf of Adam Bishop, Matt Collins, Sound Guy Jonathan, and myself, we will catch you guys next time. <laughs>